It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's May 17th, 1996. The Yankees are playing the California Angels in New York. They're leading 8-5. It's the top of the ninth inning. Well, here's the Yankees' secret weapon ready to close a game. Mariano Rivera comes in. John, that's like saying the atomic bomb is a secret weapon. I think people know about it. <laughs> I think they do. Mariano is only two months into his second season. Still early in his career, the Yankees haven't quite solidified his role in the bullpen. Now here, of course, is as a, a closer, he gets an inning. But ordinarily, he comes in 6th, 7th, and 8th and takes that Yankee lead and holds it. He's been spectacular. That night, he was even more spectacular. Eight pitches spectacular. The first batter for the Angels was Randy Velarde. He faced Rivera's first three pitches and would get behind in the count with one ball and two strikes. This is Rivera's fourth pitch. Here's the one-two. Strike three is called. Velarde is called out. On a high fastball, there's one away. Perhaps the Yankees' front office at the time in 1996 hadn't noticed Rivera's potential as a closer yet, but two people who had noticed... Yankees broadcasters, Michael Kay and John Sterling. Well, they say that Rivera stuff really does translate into closing stuff. Mike, uh, not to take credit, because I think anyone doing these games would say the same thing, but we said that last year. Why would he be a closer? Because he's overpowering, and he throws strikes. Next up for the Angels, Mike Aldretti. So one away, here's Mike Aldretti, a lefty hitter. Pretty good pinch hitter type. Aldretti faced Rivera's fifth pitch, which he fouled off. Then with Rivera's sixth pitch, he... Swung on and line to left field. It's a base hit. Aldretti gets to first. There's one out. Garrett Anderson is next up to face Rivera's seventh pitch. Rivera deals. Strike. And for the eighth and final pitch of the inning... There's a double play ball to second. Fees short one. She just throw to first. In time. Ball game over. Yankees win. Bang, bang, a 4-6-3 double play, and Rivera does the job once again. The significance of that night? It was Mariano's first career save. Eighteen seasons later, he would finish his career with an additional 651. The most all-time. I'm Mark Feinsand, executive reporter for MLB.com. Welcome to Major League Baseball's Full Account Podcast, where we take deep dives into baseball's best untold stories. Now, the gate opens. Number 42, Mariano Rivera. Here's Mariano Rivera. And now Mariano Rivera. Rivera sets and deals. Strike three, ball game over. Yankees win. Saves in history. 
He's going to be one tough act to follow. In this episode, we focus on the one pitch that helped make Mariano the pitcher he became, his famous cut fastball. We'll take you to the moment he discovered it. From that moment to the moment that I retired, I threw this same pitch. His battle to control it. I was in control of it. I had no control of the pitch. And how, in addition to all the records he broke, he also ended up breaking plenty of bats along the way. And they said in 2001, Mariano Rivera broke 44 bats. The Yankees' 1995 season was Mariano's first in the majors and the team's most successful season in 14 years. Making the playoffs was great, but the losing result and the feeling that came with it resonated with Mariano. First of all, 95 was amazing, but sour. It was tough. I remember coming from Seattle when game five was playing, they beat us, and man, it was, it was horrible feeling. Manager Buck Showalter had been lauding the Yankees' young prospects to some of his older players. And although the core of that 95 team consisted of veterans such as Don Mattingly, Paul O'Neill, and Wade Boggs, the imminent rise of young stars such as Andy Pettit, Derek Jeter, and Rivera had the Yankees thinking about a bright future. Here's Mattingly. Buck was pretty good about talking to me about Pettit when he was coming, and, and this guy Jeter's going to be great, and Posada, and, and you know he knew all these guys, all these guys that were coming. Wait till you see these guys. And Mariano was one of those guys. Mariano's success as a starter in 95 was spotty. But the promise he showed coming out of the bullpen in the ALDS versus Seattle seemed to be positioning his future toward a life as a relief pitcher. As a starter, he was okay. And, you know, like he couldn't get deep. That's what I kind of remember in him going back down. And when he came back up, they had him in the pen. And he was just like dominant. And you didn't realize it at first, right? Because, you know, a guy has a clean inning and then he has another clean inning. The next thing you know, this dude's pitching in the seventh and the eighth playoffs. And it's like, holy cow, right? This guy, no, nobody's touching him. Rivera's impressive performance in the postseason prompted the Yankees' new manager, Joe Torre, to open the season with the right-hander as a member of his relief corps. Rivera was pretty low in the bullpen's pecking order. During the first month of the 96 season, he entered games in which the Yankees either led by at least four runs or trailed by anywhere from two to seven runs. But a few weeks into the season, Rivera began to earn Torrey's trust. 96 was, again, a special year where uh, I star as a lone reliever. Bob Whitman and Jeff Nelson were the settled guys. Well, sure enough, within a month into the season, I became the settlement. His days as a starting pitcher were officially over, and although Rivera had worked hard in his efforts to become a starter, he was thrilled to be in the majors, no matter what role the Yankees wanted him to fill. I'm always being a man that like to simplify things. Remember, I wanted to stay in the big leagues. So if you tell me, Mariano, you're going to be no, more, no longer a starter, you're going to be a long reliever. I would say, man, thank you. Thank you because I'm still in the big leagues. I will gladly do that. In 1996, Rivera wasn't just in the big leagues. He was thriving there, helping the Yankees to 92 victories and their first outright American League East title since 1980. Andy Pettit, who won 21 games and finished second in the AL Cy Young vote, was one of the beneficiaries of Rivera's superb season. 
we had an unbelievable bullpen and then to add Mariano in there, it made us, you know, the World Series champs like we were. We were just so strong and Mo was just invaluable to, to what we were able to do. We'd just come in literally in the seventh and eighth inning and you know if you had a lead, he was gonna hand it over to, to John uh, for the ninth. And so it's a huge part of what we were able to do there in 96 was because of Mariano Rivera for sure. New York Yankees of the 1996 American League Eastern Division champions. During his breakout season in 96, Rivera wasn't recognized as an all-star, which is pretty hard to believe because he dominated the regular season. His performance that year was enough to garner him one first-place vote in that fall's AL Cy Young voting, a race in which he placed third, a truly astonishing result for a setup reliever. Of course, personal accolades and achievements weren't what Rivera was playing for. Luckily, then, came the 1996 postseason. After two playoff series wins, the Yankees made it back to their first World Series since 1981. Rivera appeared in four games in that 96 World Series against the Atlanta Braves. He entered Game 6, as he did many times that season, as the setup man for closer John Wetland. This has been the formula for the Yankees all year long. You get a start from whoever, Pettit, Key, doesn't matter. You have a lead. You hand it over to Rivera for the 7th and 8th. You hand it over to Wetland for the ninth. Rivera pitched the 7th and 8th and did not give up a hit. His contributions helped the Yankees end their 18-year championship drought. The Yankees are champions of baseball! I was happy just because, I mean, I was able to win a championship in my second year in the big leagues. A lot of players play their whole life and never get one. You know, and here I am in my second year. Uh, I, I have one ring in my hand already. It's amazing. You know, and uh, that was that was powerful. You know, I felt good. It felt like every every work, every extra work that we did paid off. In the aftermath of that 96 World Series title, the Yankees found themselves looking for a new closer. But rather than bringing in another big-name reliever, they turned over closing duties to Rivera. At the end of 96, I did so good. I wanted to transfer that to the 97 season. All of a sudden, I became the New York Yankee closer. I wasn't looking for that. They gave me the opportunity. Rivera stumbled early in the 1997 season, blowing saves in three of his first six opportunities. And sure enough, everything is going south. Everything is going wrong. I was trying to do my best and everything. It looks like I was moving in quicksand. Some might have wondered whether the job was too big for Rivera, but Torrey and his pitching coach, Mel Stottlemyre, were not among the doubters. All of a sudden, Mel and Joe called me to the office. Joe said these words, Mariano, as long as I'm here, you're going to be my closer. I knew that if I, I don't do my job, I won't be his closer. I don't care what he says. I won't be the closer, you know. But that is, I guess that's what I need to have, to feel he had my back. And from there, I just took off. Here's a pitch from Mo Swing. Adamant! Struck him out! After that day, after a few days after that, the Lord gave me that famous speech. Strike three call. The cutter on the inside that came back to the plate. 
As good as Rivera had been the previous year, he pitched that entire 96 season without the benefit of the pitch that would change his life. Now it was 1997. Rivera had been the Yankees' closer for two months when he and teammate Ramiro Mendoza took the field for practice and their daily catch. Rivera unleashed a throw to Mendoza, who was caught off guard by the ball's late movement. He told Rivera to stop playing around, but Mariano insisted he wasn't playing. He was just throwing it the way he always had, but the ball wouldn't stay straight. Mendoza watched a few more throws echo that same movement, making it difficult to catch. He decided the catch was over. Mendoza was afraid he would get hurt. He wasn't the only one afraid of the pitch. Rivera became timid of it as well. I was petrified. Closers, they have to know exactly where the ball's going, where you're throwing the pitch, what the ball is doing, and being in control of that. I was in control of that. I had no control of the pitch. His fear stemmed from his inability to control the pitch. Why was it moving? What was he doing differently? According to Rivera, it was the exact same grip he had been using his whole life. So it was the same grip as your regular fastball that you had been using for years before that? The same grip as a regular fastball, forcing fastball, that I was using since I was six years old. You know, now the pitch that I throw from six years to that point is no longer there. So now what I do? So now Mariano has this seemingly uncontrollable movement on his fastball. Not exactly sure what to do with it, he gets with his pitching coach, Mel Stottlemyre, and bullpen catcher, Mike Borzello, to try and figure it out. It's late June, and the Yankees are on the road to play the Tigers. Myself, Mel Stottlemyre, and Mike Borzello, bullpen catcher. We got to Detroit, we went to the stadium, and we were working almost 45 minutes, okay, to make the ball stop. We don't want the ball to move. No, again, it's no control. And we did everything within our power and our knowledge. Mel is telling Mariana, do it like this. And this ball should never move. It will go straight. As soon as I threw it, it was even harder. It moves even more. So I said, Mel, man, just leave it like that because I'm, I'm getting tired. And I've been throwing a lot of pitches. And I got to pitch tonight. So just leave it like that. Borzello explained in a 2009 Sports Illustrated article that he had never seen Rivera throw like that before, and it made him nervous. Borzello said, quote, In the old Detroit stadium, the bullpen was on the field, so if you missed the ball, they would have to stop the game, and there's nothing more embarrassing than that. He started throwing these cutters. Immediately I checked the ball. Is the ball scuffed? What is going on here? When a guy is throwing 95 and the ball is cutting the last few feet before it gets to you, believe me, you never forget something like that. End quote. So now Rivera takes the mound in the ninth inning to close the game at Tiger Stadium. I come to the mound, throw in the game. Now here is Joe Girardi. Clarification here. In 1997, Joe Girardi was Rivera's catcher and not yet his manager, as he would become in 2008. Joe Girardi comes to the mound, throw the ball straight. I said, man, I'm throwing a straight job, but it's, I don't know what's happening. Catch the ball because I don't know what I don't know where the ball's going. Talk about a reassuring mound visit. Rivera would go on to close that game and get the save, along with the next two games in Detroit, marking the 23rd, 24th, and 25th saves of his career. The first few with his newly discovered cutter. From that moment to the moment that I retire, I threw the same pitch. This new cut fastball clearly did not go anywhere and he eventually found the command he was looking for. The only thing that I did different was that I, I learned how to throw it. 
I learned how to throw an outside corner up and away and up and into the hitters, you know. But it was the same pitch. Rivera has called the cutter his gift from God. And while he can't explain how or why it suddenly appeared on that fateful day, he's never questioned it. Did you even try to figure out why is this happening? How you just said, I'm just going to, this is what it is now. I'm going with it. That's it. I can figure it out. Even if I sit now and I start thinking, man, but what happened? What did I do? Did I do something wrong? Did I? No, the same way. It was because I just became the New York Yankees closer. I need something special for me to be successful. The Lord wanted to give me a platform that no man can give me. That's why he gave me that pitch. I learned how to use it to be effective and to bring glory to his name. That's the reason why he gave me that pitch. You know, I was surprised at times how that ball moved. You know, I, that pitch made big leaguers look like they never played the game of baseball. That pitch made them look like they had no idea. I mean, I, I can be that smart. I cannot be that smart. Having overcome his early season stumbles, Rivera emerged as one of the most dominant closers in the game in 1997. From the day the cutter appeared through the end of the season, Rivera posted a 1.70 ERA, successfully converting 21 of his 25 save opportunities. Rivera's cutter became the most effective pitch in the majors. Just as Mendoza had been caught off guard by it during that first catch, hitters were consistently baffled by its late movement. The cutter made Rivera virtually unhittable, but surely some big league hitters would make the necessary adjustments and figure out how to attack the pitch. You said these are the best hitters in the world. They know what's coming, and they can't hit it. Were you ever concerned that they would figure out how to hit that pitch? When that time came, if it came, we worked with it. You know, but I was told by many people, Mariano, you have to change this. You have to do something different because you cannot be in the big leagues and throw that same pitch and be successful with it. At some point, the guys will catch up to it. I said, well, when they catch up to it, I made the adjustments. Rivera was given advice on this particular subject from another legendary Yankee pitcher. A wise man told me this once. His name is Whitey Ford. He says, Mariano, don't try to change the ways that you get someone out. Even if you got it out for 20 times the same way, do not try to change it. Make him adjust it. Make him adjust his ways. Because if he don't, why you want to change it? And that stuck in my brain and in my soul and in my heart like I remember today. Why did I have to change something that is working? Why? No adjustments were necessary. Hitters continued to take their cracks at Rivera's masterful pitch, but one after another, they came up short. From time to time, somebody would have a successful at-bat and prove Rivera to be mortal, but it felt more accidental than anything else. Andy Pettit, who would later work up a pretty good cutter of his own, was constantly amazed at Rivera's ability to succeed with a one-pitch approach. You saw the cutter and you're like, you know what, he's going to have to do something else here after a year, maybe two in the league. The hitters, they see you, you have to make adjustments. You know, I'm seeing that as a starting pitcher. I mean, I'm having to make adjustments every game, you know, to the teams that I pitch against and stuff like that. 
but I think everybody was wrong because Mariano didn't have to make an adjustment. The cutter was so amazing and so awesome that he was able to throw it his entire career and guys couldn't hit it. One trend that became apparent, after facing Rivera's cutter, most opposing teams would have to place a new order with their bat manufacturer. The cutter often had a buzz saw effect, sawing lumber in half on a regular basis. You probably broke more bats than you gave up hits. I would love to have the, those numbers, that statistic. Well, Mo, here's what Los Angeles Dodgers commentator Vince Scully was able to dig up on that statistic. The New York Times did a study years ago, and they said in 2001, Mariano Rivera broke 44 bats. So with that in mind, when he made his farewell appearance in Minnesota, they presented him with a rocking chair made up of broken bats. The twins called it it's the chair of broken dreams, and you broke most of them. Uh, you have some Maurer, Morneau, Kirby Puckett. They put one of me on there. I have no idea why. Something unique, certainly. And that's not all of them. They just get, they had to have they had to make eight chairs. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna use all the bats he's broken. They're gonna have to get at least eight chairs. He's gonna have to have a whole auditorium full of chairs. Now, if we went off of the statistic that Vince Scully surfaced from that 2001 New York Times article, 44 bats in one season, that calculated to one every 7.04 at bats. Based on the number of hitters Mariano faced after discovering the cutter, that would equate to 664 broken bats over the course of his career. The one broken bat incident Rivera distinctly remembers? I broke this guy, Ryan Klesko, I remember in the World Series, 99, Atlanta. Three times in the single bat, three bats. Klesko's bat is shattered as he lines one foul. Well, he's broken two bats here in the last two swings, but it's because Rivera's cut fastball was just an amazing pitch because he has such great control with it. And didn't break like just break. I mean, they shot it. Pieces of wood all over. Pesco broke three bats in that one at bat. You see Chipper Jones kind of smiling about it. You know, I mean, that pitch was something special. What does it feel like to be able to throw a baseball and shatter a bat? It feels good. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah, it's, it's, sometimes it looks like the bat has like a, a, a piece of, uh, a little piece of dynamite or some type of explosion. They, when the ball makes contact with the bat, it explodes. Mariano's career in 1996 and 1997 certainly exploded. Although he was virtually unstoppable in the postseason, Mariano did have a slip-up in the 1997 American League Division Series versus the Cleveland Indians. The Yankees were leading the best-of-five series two games to one. It was game four, the Yankees ahead by a run in the eighth inning. Mariano would enter the game. Sandy Alomar Jr. was the second batter he faced. Rivera remembers that night and pitching to Alomar Jr. Two out here in the eighth. Rivera is listed as 6-2. We'll give him that. And 168. I don't think he weighs 160 pounds. Obviously, my first year as a closer. How can a guy with his frame throw that hard? It's really remarkable. 96 miles per hour from Rivera, ball one high to Sandy Alomar. When you come to do this job, you have to make sure that you have to minimize the mistakes. 2-0 on Alomar. He hit a mistake. He hit out of the ballpark. 
I didn't want to feel that again. Alomar's home run would lead to an Indians win, helping them avoid elimination. Cleveland went on to win Game 5, denying the Yankees an opportunity at back-to-back championships. Rivera, never one to second-guess himself or to wonder what if, used the failure as a teaching moment. And that was a must for me. I had to learn how to execute better. And I did. That motivated me to get better. Rivera posted another stellar season in 1998. When the postseason began, New York was the heavy favorite to win it all. Come October, Rivera and the Yankees found themselves matched up, once again, with the Indians. This time, it was the ALCS. I had my chance on 98 against the Cleveland Indians again. As the Yankees moved to within three outs of a pennant. And you couldn't put it in more capable hands than Mariano Rivera. He would appear in four games against Cleveland in this series, facing a total of 17 batters. Only one would reach base. Rivera dominated. A bouncer out in front of the plate. Rivera pounces on it. On to the World Series. The Yankees would advance to the 1998 World Series, winning their second title in three years. Rivera's experience giving up that home run to Alomar Jr. had taught him a valuable lesson. It stuck with him as he avenged his performance the following year in 1998. This time I was able to be successful. I understood that I was just like a stepping stone for me to get to the next level. Because I never looked back. I never looked that as a defeat. I took it as a learning process because that was the way I was. His disappointment from 1997 hadn't discouraged him. It had seemingly made him stronger. And the best was yet to come. On episode four of Full Account's look at the life of Mariano Rivera, we'll examine the remarkable 15 years that followed. We'll look at the many highs. The New York Yankees, world champions, team of the decade, most successful franchise of the century. The occasional yet notable lows. A lot of tears were shed because the pain was unbearable. The milestones and the memories. And it's perfect because the greatest closure in history now has the most saves in history. And how a song he really wasn't interested in became a part of his identity. I don't want to fake it. Oh, man, I love the music. I don't like the music. We'll explore that and much more in our final Full Account episode. I'm Mark Feinstein. Thanks for listening. Download and subscribe to Major League Baseball's Full Account Podcast at Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Art19, or anywhere else you find podcasts. The Full Account Podcast is produced by Major League Baseball and Barnacle Brothers Production Company. Thanks to our editors, Nina Peskanov, Bob Latai, and Cher Vincent. For Barnacle Brothers, Nick Barnacle, Devin Hill, and Alex Hill. An on-location sound recording... Danny Hole with Sound Coa. Voiceover recorded at Hyperbolic Audio, engineer Pete Crimmy, and producers Liana Rosenberg and Angela Bennett. Special thanks to our guest Andy Pettit and to Justin Daniels for coordination. And of course, a very special thanks to Mariano Rivera, as well as Fernando Cusa and John Shestakovsky for their help. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 